Hello, I'm Brad. And I'm Jason. You are listening to Dice in My Mind. So we have reached the fifth of our first five interviews and all of them and all of them have been fascinating from Chris to Kelly to Malcolm. I'm going to forget everybody and Michael and Michael. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I, we are, we've been very lucky to get some very creative people who are influential in this RPG world to actually sit down and talk with us, not only about RPGs, but about their history, about life, Mm -hmm. about, you know, topics that are tough topics these days, like diversity, um, equity, you know, equality, inclusion. Um, So tonight, um, we are capping it. Um, For those that are um, familiar, there's a show out there called Star Trek Prodigy. May have heard of it. May have heard of it. Um, hopefully if you have heard of it, mm-hmm. you have watched it. I see what you're and doing there. If you have watched it, then you have heard of or heard the yeah. work of our next guest. Yeah, a, where are you going with that, Brad? Yeah, yeah. So that was a I was trying to make a pun and it just went completely sideways on me. And and that was my attempt at humor, which I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, but I'm sure none of our four children between us would. So before we reveal what may already be obvious, um, a a proviso for our listeners and a little chit chat for us, right? Because, you know, come for the banter, stay for the interview. Mm -hmm. So um, just so everybody knows who's out there, uh, we, we don't mean to make this actually a Star Trek podcast. So rest assured, yes. rest assured, uh, and you know, it, rest assured that Brad will always be here to rein in my passion for Trek. And it, it really is just a fluke that we had the great good fortune of chatting with Kelly and then Chris and and then tonight's guest that th- this is a fluke this was not intentional yeah i think i think we've tried to make that clear even out on twitter which is where we reside when we're not online right um you know that yeah we've had the good fortune of talking to folks at modifius and folks that have been involved in star trek role playing yep. you're going to hear us move into other topics oh yeah in D&D. our next group yeah. yeah so we are not no. um and and you know we talk with with folks at Green Ronin and other companies, yep. we are not, um, we get nothing in return from companies. No, um, it is no. purely our own fascination. Yep. And in all honesty, giddiness at times that we get to talk about topics that we love and topics that are um, central to today. And, and, and with the people who are doing the work, right, the creatives, right, who help us by spending time with us to in these interviews to reflect on RPGs and real life through their respective lenses, uh, you know, as a bunch of, of, of dads and professionals and middle-agers, if that's, if that's a word. So, yeah, that's right there. Now, that said... We, we do have some Star Trek related interviews coming up in the future and then so much more. Man, wait until you see the diversity of 
uh, projects, the creatives in our next round of five half. But before we go there, this episode. So um, Brad, you and I have often talked about music in oh, our yeah. favorite canons. I, we, we talk music all the time, right? We talk music all the time because we both, you know, I studied it. Uh, for a period in college thinking I was going to be a professional. Mm-hmm. Um, I chose a different path. Mm-hmm. You and I both study instruments now mm-hmm. that are um, different than what we've touched before. You were yep. more on the vocal end. I was yep, more on right. the classical instrumental end. Um, so music is still a topic of conversation. Not only that, you and I have talked for eons about, and we always have done mm-hmm. our top three. We'll periodically remind mm-hmm. ourselves what our top three soundtracks are. Right, right. So... Tonight's episode is is about that because I gotta yes. say my uh, my my genre relevant list is changing. So if I, I yeah, we're you know I mean you can't you can't argue like with John Williams right in Star Wars and so many other things and and I can't tell you how many times in the past uh, thirty years ouch I've listened to the Jurassic Park soundtrack. Talk about a durable, beautiful soundtrack. But when it comes to Trek, I think you and I tend to line up fairly closely. I, for me, uh, as full soundtracks, not not specific pieces, right? There are pieces, there are three pieces from Wrath of Khan that I love, right? Especially Enterprise Clears Moorings. Uh, but uh, First Contact has always been one of my favorites since oh, it came out, right? You, you too. number one, yeah. But- and and I fell in love early with the Lower Decks soundtrack. I will say you had you were the one that that pushed me because I tend to be a little bit resistant. Pushed me to listen to the new show soundtracks. Um, yep, yep. And I just I I was I tend to be slow to catch up, but keep going. I believe I absolutely I am. Well, I can't talk. I agree with you. The Lower yeah. Decks soundtrack is great. It's just fun, yeah. but. But leading up, this will be less than subtle, leading up to this episode's interview, I began I began listening almost daily to the soundtrack to Star Trek Prodigy. Now, the title, the, the anthem is beautiful, but everything else was composed by a different individual. And so we are thrilled to share with you this episode, an exceptional interview with Nami Malamud, who is the composer of Star Trek Prodigy. And, and now it seems much more Trek coming out. When, when Nami was good enough to spend some time with us, uh, a couple things happened, some intentional, some not. One was we went a little long because turns out we're all talkative and turns out she loves Trek maybe even more than we do certainly as much i would i would think so just because her involvement in it well well but you listen to i mean she was geeking out about lower decks and that's not not even her show i mean good on her but we had said to her in our pre-interview chat you know we we knew she'd been making the interview circuit we didn't want to belabor her with the same questions and so instead we wanted to talk music with her. So there's a lot of Trek geekery, courtesy of us and especially Nami, but there's also a lot of music geekery, right? 
Oh yeah. I mean, I got, I got her talking for, and this is the part that might, for those that aren't into music um, might not, you know, be their thing, but listening to her talk about how she composed her music fast and, and the fact that she has orchestrators that orchestrate it to me, you're going to hear about all that, but as a uh, former aspiring professional musician and someone now that is still enjoying music, hearing her process i found extraordinarily fascinating you're absolutely right she really knows her track um you know she talks about how she grew up with it yeah um yeah. we are able to date jason by her talking about the timelines in which she was watching the shows so you'll all know how old jason is well and um, and and then you add about what four months and we have you six no months. six months no eight months eight months eight yeah. months yeah because i'm just, already yeah. the calendar's already flipped for me you have a right little bit right of right left. i was just that's sad that everybody had to listen to that tortured math this evening so yeah. so um <laughs> so you know we we try to bring you cr- interviews everybody with creatives to help us explore rpgs in real life etc and and so this interview a little different super cool because we do it with just a really gifted composer who just was the, just the nicest, truly the nicest, most generous person. Um, uh, and, and we hope to have her back when some of her, her, her future work debuts, uh, as we understand, uh, in not so long. So, and, and I don't know, maybe in the future, we, we really tried not to ask her anything. We really tried. So with that, we bring you this lovely interview. Nami Malamed is an Israeli-Dutch film composer based in Los Angeles, California. Her scoring credits include over 130 projects in a wide range of genres, most notably the HBO Max comedy and American Pickle starring Seth Rogen, the Amazon thriller drama series Absentia starring Santa Caddick, and EA's VR video game Medal of Honor Above and Beyond. She also scored the Oscar-winning documentary short Colette and contributed music and arrangements to Amazon's latest hit, Borat's subsequent movie film. Her score to the Star Trek episode Short Trek's Q&A in 2019 landed her the role of composer for Star Trek Prodigy, making her the first female composer for the franchise. All right. Well, Nami, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on Dyson Mind. It's it's just a pleasure and an honor to have you. Um, we've got a bunch of questions for you. Like, actually, just a few big ones. Um, like we were saying before we we hit record. So, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. No, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. I, I like nerding out about Star Trek and about film and about music and about everything. So. <laughs> Uh, this will so, be fun. <laughs> so good. So, you know, if, if it's a few hours in, you'll tell us to stop. No. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're totally there. So, okay. So let me just lead off. I, I personally, I know Brad, you've got some questions. I really just have one big one. And so forgive me, cause I'm going to start it because with an observation to, to provide a little context. Um, like we were talking about before. I mean, I, 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 we both love Star Trek, right? Um, my, my mom was telling someone, she related this to me. She was telling someone the other day, how Star Trek has been central for me since I was little, right? And the fact that in my mid forties, there's all of this new Trek coming out, I mean, blows the mind, 
right? What a, what a, during such an awful time in history, what an incredible time in history um, to have all of this, you know, kind of a karmic balance. So uh, context here. When you're gonna, I, you, you gotta, you gotta, I'm picking it, it up. I know. <laughs> when, when I know, it's a lot of thoughts going on here. When Lower Decks was announced, I promise we're gonna get to Prodigy. When Lower Decks was announced, so this is a while ago, I remember thinking, what a stupid idea. I love Star <laughs> Trek, but I mean, we all remember what happened with the animated series, right? Who, who wants or needs a, a Trek cartoon? Well, I mean, I immediately fell in love with Lower Decks. It's hilarious. I never thought I could like a cartoon that much. Then Prodigy is announced. And, 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 and it's like, it's also a Nickelodeon thing. And it's like, well, I remember Nickelodeon when I was a kid. And that's kind of weird, but I'm, I'm on board. Let's, let's hear it. Let's see it, et cetera. And, and then they started, you know, uh, releasing screenshots and whatnot. And instantly I'm taken with visually, this is just stunning. I mean, it's, this is unlike Star Trek we've seen. Okay. And of course we are, as we're recording, we're an episode away from the mid season wrap for season one of Prodigy. And visually it has been the most stunning of any Star Trek series. I mean, it's incredible, the animation, but what sticks with me is your soundtrack. I listen to a ton of Star Trek music. I always have. And for the past year, it has been all of the shows. It has been my background writing music and in, in prep for, for this conversation this evening uh, for about two weeks, I've been listening to your composing from prodigy just kind of on a loop. <laughs> I, I mean, I've written a couple chapters thanks to, to you. And I mean, it's incredible, Nami. And it's cinematic in a way that none of the other shows have been. And I mean, I, I love them all, right? But I think it's one thing to compose an anthem for a show. That's great. Gives you the, you know, the feelies and you want to go and save the galaxy. But then to create a soundscape where you're moved emotively, but also it's, it, it kind of helps you to feel like you're there. I, I mean, how are you doing? I, I mean, I'm serious. How it's... It, it's amazing what you're doing with, and, and it's for a cartoon, quote unquote. It really blows me away. So my question with all that is, is how do you get there? I mean, how do you create something like that? <laughs> so, okay, this is a, uh, this is a big question and, yeah. and, and, and a big answer. Uh, <laughs> so first I have to say that I, I, when I was brought on board, I, I really didn't know much about, like, I, I also had the, the, idea of what Nickelodeon does like that's what my nephews watch so you know Bob Sponge that kind of stuff that's Nickelodeon yep. but also it was Star Trek so I, I knew that this was going to be the flagship of, of the new Nickelodeon show like this is going to be the best Nickelodeon show ever which I think it is mm -hmm. um but luckily I also like uh, when I first visited the office like and, and Dan and Kevin showed me around uh and I met the team and I met Ben and I met the the writer's room um, so they they had already they already had some visuals to share, mm -hmm. and I was like, <laughs> Lord, <laughs> it was just incredible. It's like you know now they're sharing some of these uh, these early shots uh, and, and the backgrounds on, on Twitter, like you, you could see yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and I saw that, and I was just like, okay, this is already inspiring. This is already making you want to write like you know this big cinematic music, um, and. 
the thing is about those visuals that it really captures like the, the vastness of space, I, I feel, right, right. which, you know, again, I, lo I love the, the other shows as well, just, just like you, you're saying. But uh, oftentimes with, with, especially with the live action stuff, you don't get the colorfulness of, of space. You don't get the richness and the size of it. It's just not something that has been captured yet in Star Trek. And, and when I saw that they're doing that, I'm like, okay, we're, we're going for it. We're going big. Um, and then uh, also I had, um, you know, I had read the scripts pretty mm -hmm. early on. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I knew where, where the story is heading. And mm -hmm. so it was also about like, you know, I'm, I'm coming from a point of view that I already know what's what's the continuation of, of those characters. Like, where are they growing? Like, right. you know, we also how Dal yeah. grew. We also how Rock is, is growing. Right. Um, and it, this continues on. And, and you know, I, I know what's what's the story of that diviner. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, I was kind of working backwards. Uh, so, so knowing that information at the top, uh, where, where the story goes is actually super helpful in establishing, okay, what color of music, what instrumentation is it going to be? What style, what tone? And even, even that it is the villain per se, right. maybe, maybe his music will have something a little more than just like the evil Darth Vader kind of thing, you know, like, you know, it's not that like there's, there's more to that. There's right, a background right. story there. There's something else to that theme, um, which uh, you, know, you will find out. Um, so, and then there was also, you know, the, the, the filmmakers, Dan and Kevin are, they're very good with music. And so when they were writing, um, you know, when they came up with the concept and when, while, while they're writing, they were also listening to, to music that inspired them. And so they shared the Spotify list oh, with me. Or was oh, it interesting. Um, so yeah, they shared what influenced them with writing and, you know, there was some James Horner, there was some Michael Giacchino, there was some Hans Zimmer. So, right. but, but it was mainly like those big, big scores. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm getting the drift of it. We're doing a show that is big. Yeah. That is like, we're treating this like a movie and this is like a, like, you know, it's not a little cartoon for kids. This right. is you know, yes, it is also for kids. That's our target audience. But, yeah. you know, we want to bring new lovers of track so that in 40 years from now, yep, yep. <laughs> we'll still have track. <laughs> like, I think that's the idea behind it. Um, but it, it's also for adults and for, for the parents who are not necessarily trackies, right. but to fall in love with that character and to it, the, the characters and welcome them to, to track. And, and, you know, after this, hopefully they watch Voyager mm -hmm. and from there they'll watch TNG and DS9 and like Discovery and, and Picard and Strange New Worlds, the original series <laughs> and <laughs> Enterprise. <laughs> And maybe the animated series just for like, oh, and Lower Decks. Oh my God, I have to tell you, I love Lower Decks. I, I can't wait for it for the next season. I literally, no, I, I know. I love, and I love the score too. But Lord, oh my God, I, I want to marry Mariner. She's like, <laughs> she's my, oh my God. So good. Yeah. He's like, if I, if I had taken the Kobashi Maru, like she would be like, I'll, I'll choose Mariner. Like all anyway. Um, so yeah, so uh, that's, uh, so, so that's the, pro like, okay. So that's the inspiration for that process of, of writing. And then I actually came up with like themes and, and motifs for, for every character, except for Murph actually, because <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens with Murph. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It might be too early on for the pilot. Cause we, we, we didn't really, you know, th this was a little early for Murph. Um, but even the ship, like, you know, the protostar has a oh, scene and, and yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. 
So every character was like, okay, so what's what, what would be the personality or, or the the musical identification of, of that character or that relationship? And um, yeah. and so uh, you know, uh, I played it to the filmmakers, and they uh, they digged it. We we had we had quite a lot of revisions on on the pilot, like you know, back and forth of like, sure. okay, um, do you guys know what a spotting session, or should I explain? Or I don't. Brad might. Okay. I, I, I do, but go ahead just because it's, so, it's yeah. fascinating. So basically, um, when, you st- when you work on animation, uh, you start with music pretty early on. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, actually, once, once uh, you have an animatic, so that would be mm-hmm. like a black and white, sometimes right. with a little bit of color so that you know, can identify the characters, but it's not exactly super, um, you know, sometimes you can't really tell what's happening in the picture. Yeah, so yeah. they have music which is a temporary track that you know you're using uh, music from other films and other shows um, to sort of help guide you know the, the where, where this is going emotionally uh, or or you know if there's an action because imagine this is like moving yeah. it, it doesn't yeah. look very good and there's the, the vocals of the actors like the voices are already recorded at that point okay most of them like sometimes you'd have like you know say Janeway is, is talking and then all of a sudden there's a missing line and so the assistant editor <laughs> feel like that line it'll be some voice of a man <laughs> just, or you know it happens the other way around. It's, just, it's so funny um so anyway so and then you do a spotting session um and where where you know me and the showrunners and and ben the director uh we discuss what what should be the music in each scene of the show um and what it represents and what what we want to emphasize um mm-hmm. and you know kind of moments where we really want to capture usually it's we want to capture everything because <laughs> everything is important and you have to tell the story so quickly it's just 22 minutes and you have to put so yeah. much things are sometimes you have very quick musical transitions and to me that was was a challenge because how do you do that smoothly with the feel of a cinematic score with all the colors and like but but make it you know, not not making Mickey Mousey, like so. It's not feeling like an old cartoon, <laughs> right? So yeah, that's uh, that was uh, challenging. <laughs> it's still challenging. <laughs> so when you what? So when you were going through this process, is there enough artwork already available where you can see the color patina of the illustrations? Yes. Do you? Oh yeah. Okay. God. That was yeah. that was the big help for me, and I looked at it so many times. Yeah. Is that there's some sort of a lookbook, uh, and they do that with other shows too. Okay. It's not just Star Trek. Yeah. Um, like not not always they'll share it with you, but like you know, if you know, yeah. usually with animation they will because you you know it it does help to to inspire and and give you the idea of what yeah. they're going for tonally because you want to match your your tonal tone <laughs> to yeah, yeah. what they're doing and so yeah so there was you know I saw like you know yeah. backgrounds for for the planets that they're they're right. going to and like you know what the protostar looks like and what what that you know what Tarslamora looks like and and yeah. what the characters will look like and what the uniforms would look like and right. what right. the would look like you know so and sometimes it'd be so detailed and you're like, oh my God, I really want the toys now. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I still, I'm waiting for, for those. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, I, put, I could put a protostar on my desk. I'd be okay with that. Oh that is a gorgeous wait. ship. Oh my God. So, so it does really help to know where, where it's going totally because, yeah. you know, and then when you get the final animation, 
Um, oftentimes it would be mainly adjustments and sometimes like a little bit of rewriting, you know, if a scene really changed or mm-hmm. uh, act break uh, is happening like this, we don't have act breaks on, on uh, Paramount, but they, they are going to be on Nickelodeon. So we're doing that. And so sometimes, you know, <laughs> the music would, you know, should have continued through the next into directly into the next scene, but, you know, we have to sort of play right. an act out with the music. So something a little mm-hmm. more dramatic to carry into the black. Okay. Uh, the commercial or whatever yeah um so and then uh, we record it with the orchestra mm-hmm. i mean that's the track <laughs> um and then we mix it which is a whole other you know it's a process that most people are not aware of but like mm-hmm. once you record the orchestra you usually have takes right you you the, the musicians read it the first time then they read it the second time and the third time and sometimes you make changes with with the orchestration or you know you want to try something else or you thought this yeah. would sound a different way or whatever you're like oh maybe the clarinet will play this with the bassoon so you make those changes and sometimes you'll be like okay we'll record from bar 70 to bar 80 uh you know and just that part yeah that's the part that you know there was noise in the studio so we need to mm-hmm. fix it um and then somebody edits it so that's called a score editor <laughs> mm-hmm. and then it goes to a mix and then we do some revisions on a mix sometimes and then it goes to the, the final um dub um scenario like a dub date so yeah. um dub stage so it's a it's a whole process and then it comes out to spotify <laughs> <laughs> you listen to it and you write <laughs> yeah, yeah how how much more difficult is this right now because of the pandemic i was going to ask that yeah because didn't isn't the orchestra overseas that's doing the recording for it if i read yeah correctly? um so here here's here's the funny part this the the, the pandemic did not affect our process um, really yeah it's uh yeah <laughs> here's why um meetings like like the spotting sessions can definitely yeah. be done on zoom which yep. which have been done on zoom i mean obviously it's more fun to be in the room together and you know yeah. joke, joke around together and be you know be in person um but it you know in in terms of effective effectiveness of work it doesn't matter because actually you know you can share your screen and you know we can look at the picture together and make suggestions and make you know that's not that's a non-issue um, and then with recording sessions, uh, to be honest, this was very, uh, very much happening way before the pandemic. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, um, it, it, it's very budget dependent. Like if you could record, you know, in a studio in LA or in, in Abbey Road in, in London yeah. or in Seattle or Nashville yeah. or Prague or Moscow or, or like there's so many, you know, budget considerations. Um, and then, um, you know, off like oftentimes American shows will record in Europe like that. That has right. been happening for a long time. Right. And so not every time you can afford to fly. <laughs> and so uh, the students have set that up like a long time ago that like you could do a remote session. Yeah. So there are plugins that are, are very like, you know, they, they they're very the stream is way better than Zoom. Yeah. You can really feel like you're in the studio and it's live and everything that, you know, you that sounds in your your house or your studio and yeah. or wherever you are will be um, you know incredible directly uh, sounding in, in the in in the studios. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, we had we had a little bit of an incident because my mic was on and my cat was you know, <laughs> the entire orchestra. The entire orchestra was hearing that and they all started laughing. And I, I can hear it because I was with headphones. <laughs> like, what's going on? 
<laughs> and he was like behind me meowing. So it was, uh, it was great. Um, so it's, it's, um, it, what I'm saying is it's kind of easy. The, the only That's minor incredible. part um, of recording, um, of working far like remotely is the, is the dub stage actually. Cause when you're doing the dub online, it's like, okay. So, so um, the dub, the dub part is where, you know, they, they um, balance the audio, all, all the audio in, in the show. So it would be like um, the dialogue, yep. the sound effects and the score. Yeah. And so that is literally the best moment it will be ever heard. You know, because it's it's they're doing it in a in a in a room that feels like a like a theater, right? Um, and you know, this is going for TV or for streaming, so you know, it's not going to be in in a cinema. Like yeah. you're not going to go to the theater to see it. So, right. Normally, when you go to the dub for TV shows, that's the best sounding moment for the show. Like that is the part to sit back and be like, oh, we did such something so great. Yeah. <laughs> and then you know, when you do it on a computer, it does take away from that. You know that moment yeah. uh so, so for me i'm like i'm kind of bummed that uh that um you know we don't get to do that but <laughs> i'm working on another show which is recording like in the room behind where they do the dub <laughs> for prodigy in werner brothers nice. so i did get to see it like nice um, yeah there was one time i was like uh, you know i went there and they were just dubbing you know one of the episodes and i got to see it on the big stream i was so happy about oh, it oh that's cool yeah yeah do you coordinate or, or communicate with like with the studio with like the studio director as you're as you're listening? Do you you know do they ask questions? How does do, is, there's interaction there while you're listening, right? What listening to the to the orchestra perform? Yeah, while you're while they're performing, you might they might stop and ask you a question, or um, you might okay. I just was curious if there's if there's yeah. interaction during that period. Yeah. Um, normally, that's that's a part where the score has already been approved. <laughs> so mm -hmm. um, at this point, we've done like several rounds, or, or like you know maybe one round if I was lucky. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No yeah. But um, normally, at that point where we go, we, we're, when we go into the orchestra, it's already at the animation phase. So this is okay. after long after I first wrote it, mm -hmm. um, and then it's it's already you know mainly approved. Yeah. I I don't think you know the the the, the showrunners actually also the writers like they're they're often invited uh yeah. to listen and to to, to be because it's a zoom so we can do it um yeah. which is actually a big plus in in pandemic times because now a lot right. of people can access like you know can come to to see the recording like you know That's when, when cool. you record stuff at, at warner brothers there's a limit to how many people you can invite yeah. right um so um so this is actually pretty pretty cool uh, that people can listen remotely and you know the, the people who wrote the episode they they can listen the writers yeah. um so yeah sometimes they would have like comments but but it, it's it's i don't think we ever changed like the music on on this this you know for, yeah. for a story it was mainly for for performance because so, i'm like okay well mm -hmm. you know the horns are not strong enough on this we should have the trumpets as well so it was mm -hmm. more more about like the musical performance rather than the story because all the all the story points are already there um, normally I, I would suspect it's probably the horns are too strong and you need more <laughs> yeah normally it's brad might be a little biased on this yeah one. i'm a little biased <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a horn player yeah. so i love um, horns oh my god that's the best it's the I always love to hear a composer say that. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and that is, and, and I actually, actually, when I listen, Jason knows this because I'm in a, I, I love music. Um, I'll listen into the music. I don't know if this makes sense to kind of hear the individual 
um, parts, the individual instruments and so on. And it's fascinating, especially with, with your music with Prodigy, how it meshes um, and how it's, it's still m- many instruments, but it just feels like so much more like one tone. Yeah, that's the idea. Yeah. You always want to create like, you know, whatever show it is that you're working on, you want to have it to have its own personality, its own signature. Like it doesn't, you don't want it to sound like someone else. You want it to sound like Prodigy, you know? So, you know, we're not, we're not trying to do Voyager. We're not trying to do Lower Decks, even though I I love that score, but (laughs) I'm not trying to do it, you know. I'm I'm trying to do Prodigy, which you know <laughs> has been a, a, an ongoing effort. <laughs> so on on that on that okay, no pun intended. I was gonna say on that note, but I can't do that in this conversation. But uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, you just did. You just I know. Did. I I don't know how else to say it. But on that on that note, I'm I'm wondering, Nami, is you okay, just did so, it again. I, uh, go away. So <laughs> so get off with, my bridge. <laughs> yeah, really. Oh, I'm gonna use that one. Um, <clears throat> you heard it here first. So when you look at this first season of composing for prodigy, I'm really curious, do you, as the composer, do you have, um, do you have a favorite leitmotif or scene or even set of bars that for you just really stand out? Uh, yes, there's two of them. So there's the zero motif, which I just love. I love it's a piccolo thing. Um, I just like, I don't know. It, it, it lends itself to a lot of, stuff uh like a lot of variations a lot of like a, a range of, of of emotions like i mean it's just a personal favorite like that those 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 notes are for me but also the the proto star um yeah. the proto star theme yeah um, and then it goes to like the that um you know <laughs> that you know when the pros are first lights up yeah yeah uh, remember that like that oh, yeah so that to me like uh i think i guess so it's uh yeah i like both of, of these the best probably um yeah. but you know i love everything so it's real fun to do jankum stuff too with different elements <laughs> my, my <laughs> kind, of a, fa- kind, of a, kind of a jazzy little <laughs> nod he's he's such a strange character and and my my favorite line so far in the entire series was uh that last one of oh i thought that was a physical manifestation of jacob pog's like feelings i'm like oh my god that's so intelligent and this is for kids yeah yeah and then it's so good yeah i i will say the the scene i don't remember which episode this was the um the scene where they are in i'm going to call it a cave with the samari crystals oh yeah um when it was a cave, I think. It wasn't it? Yeah, it, it. I just. It was all shifty. When what you did with the musical environment, I was watching with my fourteen-year-old, and she was paying attention to the show. Unfortunately, not to me. And I swear, I almost shed a tear. It. It was like it was just like the whole scene just changed because of the oral environment and it was that all you were talking about earlier you know of trying to make this grand and this whole oh scheme of space <laughs> and then you're in this cave and you see these little crystals and it's you know it's silly because they're learning of course you know they've got their morality play going on and then your your music just kind of subtly changes and kicks in and it's like I honestly I think that was the point truly at which I went from you know I'm enjoying this show to I'm hooked and I'm going to stay with Prodigy. 
that wow. that did it for me. Oh, really. No, I mean, it's it just what you're doing is incredible with that show. Well, it I, is I have to, gorgeous. I have to comment about that, though, because that was yeah. the episode. That was the episode I was dreading. <laughs> really? I read really? Script, I'm like, oh, my God, um, how are we going to do this? <laughs> OK, this is going to be interesting. I mean, it's it presented a cool opportunity. So I'm excited about it. But at the same time, like, oh, my God, heavy lifting on music and sound. Um, I was like, I hope the sound designers are aware of their job here, uh, which they, I think they did a wonderful job. Yeah. But we, for me, uh, I was like, okay, this is a moment where I have to go like super far from, from everything that we've been doing. Like this is, um, this is an alien world. And the thing is like, I'm already writing a music, music for a bunch of aliens. So it's like, they're all aliens, (laughs) but but this is like completely, you know, they're, they're, they're not really communicating with it, with the, you know, we can't understand them. So uh, I, there was a lot of back and forth on, on that section. I think we did like five versions of like, wow. and until we figured out like the right tone. And that's that's where I'm like, I have to, you know, to, to give the credit for, for Dan and Ben and Kevin, because they are like, they really pushed me out of my comfort zone as a, wow. an orchestral composer. <laughs> They're yeah. like, you know, Nami, you got this. You can do that. Let's let's push. Let's let's go into you know an, this territory of like let's achieve something that was, you know, this is a strange new world. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> support it. Um, and and then we actually went for like, you know, the idea behind it was like the, it's going to be so dissonant and weird and like shapey like those shapes right. that are are in in the sand but they they could be reflected with the music so i did this like stuff this these arpeggios with the with the woodwinds but the thing was like that you know when the sumari when they sing so that's going to be very you know all of a sudden you have this like choir and you have this like tonality that it, it feels like 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 a perfect song but that's just because what we heard before was a complete opposite of that so that emphasizes that you know the, the gap yeah. of like, okay, this is their gift, their musical gift. So it was really fun. It was fun to do. And ultimately it became my favorite episode. So oh, like to cool. write for it, to, yeah. to music. So um, yeah, but it, it, it was a challenge. Obviously wow. it sounds like you've had a, like a phenomenal experience doing this. Um, you know, what has been your experience, you know, here in the States, obviously being a composer, but also being a woman? Um, have you encountered challenges with that? Yeah. Um, I know, I know as, as someone who used to play regularly, nowhere near the, the way or at a level that would sit in an orchestra and play this, but um, you just didn't see a lot of female composers when you did, yeah. if you were doing contemporary orchestral work. And yeah. we know there's still a lot of misogyny. Yeah. 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 No, I, I will say that it, it's very much still a boys club. I was just in a meeting for uh, another show I'm working on, yeah. and yes, I am the only—I <laughs> was the only lady there, and there were like nine guys. So, yeah. yes, it's still very much that world. Um, I think actually coming from a place—I'm I'm originally from Israel, mm-hmm. so um, I, I think I just wasn't aware of all of this when I when I grew up yeah. there. And yeah. you know, in Israel, everyone you know goes to you know everyone has has to serve the military for you know, so girls have to do that too. Like there's there's some sort of inequality that like I, I haven't you know quite seen in this industry yet. But coming yeah. with that like, hey, there's nothing a girl can't do. Coming with that you know perception that was in my mind, um, mm-hmm. you know here. 
um, you, you know, I, I was already in the mindset that I'm going to do it no matter what, like, I don't care. <laughs> and then coming here, I was like, wait, wait, there's really no female composers that, you know, I, I knew Rachel Portman and I knew Anne Dudley and Shirley Walker, but that was, that was it. And yes, in comparison to like the, the men composers, right. there's a lot. And sometimes I'm like, I feel, I wish that we would just call them male composers because <laughs> everyone's like, oh, female composer. Like, what? why don't we call them male composers? That's right. I mean, this is kind of ridiculous. So uh, ideally there should not be a, a female and male composer. Should that just be a composer? But until we get there, to that point, I think there should be like, you know, we're trying to push for equal opportunity. Um, but it's hard, like, you know, if uh, oftentimes I, I get invited to a meeting and, uh, you know, I, I'm interviewed for, for this whatever film. Yep. And there's, there's an Oscar winning composer who has 20 more years of experience. Yeah. And so who are they going to hire? Like, are they yeah. going to hire the newcomer? Yeah. You know, I, and I don't want to get hired just because I'm a woman. I want to right. get hired for my talents, which which I think is what happened with all the stuff I've been working on, to be honest. Like mm -hmm. when I got my first TV show, it was just because I was the right person. They did not care if it was male or female. They just needed yeah. someone to start on Monday to figure it out. <laughs> I swear, that's that's what it was with, with Absentia on, on Amazon. They were like, you know, they needed someone to start right away. And and a, and a, and a person whose who's real was was matching what they were totally what they were looking yeah. for. Uh, and it's the same with Star Trek. Like I started on, you know, I, I got the Q and A episode, <laughs> and I, I think I did a good job because they hired me. On right. Time. So, so it was not like, hey, you know, it was by accident that it was, you know, me being the first female composer. Although Diane Warren did write the theme for Enterprise, <laughs> which people tend to forget. Interesting. Yeah, people. I, I didn't know that. that. She didn't I... write the score. She just wrote the theme. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, I know. I know Rachel Rachel Portman from Cider House Rules and Legend of Edgar Vance. For, you know, oh, another man. another great composer. Yeah, so, chocolate. I think she won the Oscar for her chocolate. No, or maybe yeah. she made it. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So I'm 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 just fascinated just because, like you said, you know, it was I played in a section with musicians that was very it, it was egalitarian. It was very mixed. A lot of there's not horn seems to be that way. Whereas other instruments tend to be a little different. I have a daughter that played trumpet, you know. And, That's so mm -hmm. cool. You know, mm -hmm. it's hard, you know, you know, as well as, you know, trumpet traditionally has been a male instrument. You know, yeah. my, my son plays clarinet and yep. clarinet was traditionally a female instrument. Yeah, um, no, so... actually, I there are a lot of clarinet male players, male clarinet players who played mm. <laughs> on my scores. And there were uh, female horn players. And, uh, you know, it's I, I, I think the only instrument where I haven't seen much diversity was trombones uh, and a harp. But, <clears throat> oh, interesting. I don't know. Trombone, I don't know any, I any female trombone player. Uh, I don't know any of those. I've never seen a man play a harp. Yeah. Isn't uh, that... I mean, I've seen a lot of men play flute, for example. Like the, the yep. principal of the Israeli Philharmonic, he he's incredible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting with the harp and and the the. Yeah. So, do you love yeah. Do you love it when you can get in front of an orchestra and conduct still, even with all your composing? <laughs> yes and no. I'm intimidated by it because I'm not like a professional uh, 
conductor, but I do enjoy it. Like after I get over myself, you know, of, of that initial fear of like, okay, there's like a bunch of <laughs> really great players and, and, you know, they're all sitting there and, and I'm supposed to wave my hands and make it work. <laughs> and, um, so yeah, I studied a little bit of conducting. It's just that like, I'm focusing on composing. So I, I think it's a, it's a lack of practice and, and a lack of like, confidence I guess which comes with time and, and experience so you have to like mm -hmm. that's why I whenever when I have the opportunity I do try to conduct it, at least a few cues to you know to, to learn a little bit better um, but I do like to to be able to be in the booth because when you when you're recording you know when you're in the room with the orchestra oftentimes you'll you'll hear them not in the balance that you know ultimately they would be in in your final mix right so, and then you'll be busy with other stuff too. Like you, you might miss some dynamics or things that you want to change as opposed to if, if you listened, you know, in, in the booth with your engineer and let someone else conduct, you will hear those little things and you could fix them on spot and it will save you time and energy and tears later on. <laughs> so mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm just a perfectionist. That's a, that's a problem. You know, the, the enemy of the, the, um, good is is perfect so right i'm 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 curious how how many maybe the answer is one how many major projects can you work on <laughs> at a time well i have no life so uh i'm currently working on two very big projects yeah um so yeah but that that comes with a price that comes yeah. with the price of like you know giving up on like some birthday parties or like yeah you know, coming for a little bit and, and leaving early yeah. or, you know, th there's like personal sacrifices that people don't talk a lot about in, in Hollywood, actually. Like mm -hmm. we're like, oh yeah, the Hollywood thing. It's fun. Yeah. It, it is fun. I, I, I will say that like it comes with a lot of um, perks, but um, there is a price for sure. Like, you know, you, you will sometimes do revision until 3am because, mm -hmm. you know, you have to do it or you, you know, you'll wake up early and do it, but um the, ultimately you, you need to you know to make sure that everyone's happy <laughs> in the production and that you are happy too which is really important too like I want to stand behind every note that I write and yeah. to do that uh it takes energy and time and uh and practice so um yeah for sure <laughs> it's not so easy but yeah so I'll say I'll say two but I, I don't have an assistant or, or anything so it's it's also about that like I mean if, yeah. I, if I hired someone then I'll probably be able to do a little more Okay. Can I ask a nerdy question? This is Jason told me to behave because I'm I'm a music nerd. So he actually so you can <laughs> see he told me. So when you're when you're composing, this is more of a technical question. Are you are you writing or are you working off of like notation software? How good are you, yeah. you know, how do you actually what what works well for you from a composition perspective? Well, I'm I'm a, a keyboard player originally. Like I, I started yeah. with piano, um, and then I moved to oboe and flute and guitar. So I, but my initial instrument is 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 piano. So I'm I'm thinking in in melody and chords. Really, that's my my thought process. Um, now, when you work on a film or, or a TV show, um, you usually work with the software that enables you to see the picture and to sync it with your bars and you right. know your beats um and you have all these like tracks 
that would represent the orchestra in, in, the, in a computer language called MIDI. Um, mm -hmm. So you have this keyboard of MIDI. So it's like, it looks like a piano, but it's not really a piano. It's an electric thing. <laughs> um, and it translates whatever you record or, or you, if you write, then you can, you can also notate it or write it with like, uh, <laughs> I, you know, what, what, what I call like, um, like cubes, little cubes if they represent time. So it, it, it does look like music, but all, all, you know, when you look at it, it's not always looking like music. So yeah. sorry, I, I, I'm not explaining well, very well. well. You are. It's actually yeah. um, it's fascinating. But, but yeah, so basically you have all sorts of like uh, third party plugins. So they, they would be called um, uh, sample libraries. So um, you can have the sound of a flute and the sound of a guitar and the sound of a viola and the sound of a horn. And in those libraries, it goes very far. Like you can invest thousands of dollars in yeah. this because, you know, some libraries were recorded in Vienna and some were recorded in Australia and Berlin and like all these um, competing ensembles and competing companies that are making this. And they record every articulation and every, um, you know, every, every uh, dynamic. Uh, so, so, you know, you, you want to play your violin. So, is going to be like the short notes, so it'll be staccato, staccatissimo, like spiccato. There's so many techniques, um, and it could be like piano, so like uh, you know low volume, and it could be forte, that's like strong volume, it could be fortissimo, which is like the strongest volume. So um, or pizzicato when, when they're uh, plucking their strings. So um, there's all sorts of libraries, and then there are all gazillion million instruments, and that's only you know that that's the 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 chamber instruments you can also have like synths <laughs> so this goes very far and and you can have audio plugins like there's so much you can do with that software um you know i work with cubase there are other softwares like logic and uh, and digital performer and, and some people use ableton which is interesting <laughs> um pro tools um and then and after you usually after you finish um you know you export that midi which is actually notes but it doesn't look really good as you know musicians yeah. cannot read those notes right. like it, it lacks all the um all the articulations it lacks you know performance uh, requests it lacks a lot <laughs> it doesn't look good so you, then you move it to a notation software like Sibelius or Finale um and you edit it and that's actually the job of the orchestrator usually and the orchestrator will also translate okay. my writing um into the ensemble that we have because sometimes yeah. i'll be like okay this is what the violins are doing this is what the you know or this is what the horns are doing but i accidentally wrote four horns and we only have three or, or stuff like that you know right. so so that, yeah. that would be some sort of you know or i wrote for two two flutes and actually on project we do have two flutes but like if i wrote for two clarinets and we, we don't have two clarinets so um he often will move something to the bassoon you know mm -hmm. so that kind of stuff wow. or if i you know if i didn't have time and i, I was like have to having to rush things and i was like okay i'm just going to use an ensemble patch for this line i don't do that a lot but like if i do then you know, he'll be like, okay, well, this, this should be the high, um, high woodwind. So it would be piccolo, flute, oboe, bam, done, <laughs> you know, but yeah. somebody has to be very smart about that. Uh, and so I'm very lucky that, that uh, I work with Jeff Krika mostly for, for Prodigy. Um, but lately we also had Ian Gottlieb and Tracy Turnbull, Turnbull, Turnbull. <laughs> Hope I'm saying it correctly. Uh, but this team, uh, and Jennifer Derricks, this team has been very, very great with that. Like you really have to have people that you trust with orchestrating because they are translating what you do to the real life. 
Um, yeah. So yeah, that's uh, I'm very grateful for. It's important to have a team. Yeah, and then does that necessarily circle back to you for proofing? Yes, it does. I mean, when <laughs> when there's time, it does. <laughs> because think about it: when we do this, it still has to go to to copying, which is right. the printing and taping and going to the stage. Um, so yeah, when we don't do it last minute, then yes, it goes. <laughs> and what what kind of when I, when I hear it, and then we make changes. Yeah, what kind of rehearsal time does the orchestra get? A zero. Wow. Yeah, there's no, there's no. That's just, incredible. That's, that's their professionality of. of yeah, that, they're that good. Musician. That's what they do. That's that's their perfectionism. Like they read something. Usually, it's it's a read. You know, it's a read. Yep. It's not perfect. Yep. There will be mistakes. There will be you know people who enter later. You know, if it's a difficult cue, it will take a moment. But you know, by the third or fourth read, they're like, you know, they cool. it's done. It's it's done and it's performed also the way that you know. That that's the beauty of it. Like if I had to sit there, I, I don't know how I would do it. I'm <laughs> I'm amazed by by how good they are in, in sight reading. <laughs> Blows my no, mind. This is just this is yeah. This is God. Yeah, it, it does help when when the same orchestra performs, you know, on, on a show, for example. Like they yeah. already heard the zero theme, you know. Yeah. They already know. You know, they they already have a yeah. sense of, of what I'm going for. Yeah. So it, it is better to come back to the same ensemble. That's for I mean, sure. They're learning you as a composer along the way. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. And I'm learning them. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the same thing. Like, I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, well, they're capable of this and this, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that's that's fascinating. Yeah. That you might you might revise or or recommend adjustments just based off of, yeah, oh, uh, sometimes, okay, this this has happened before, but I'm like, okay, well, I don't know if this is going to come out well based on like previous experiments <laughs> that I yeah. had. With them. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to add uh, like a cue. So a cue is is when you, um, you know, for example, I, I, I'm i like, okay, we'll, we'll have this for the first um, trumpet and I'm going to cue the second and the third trumpet. So it's going to be written in their notes, mm-hmm. but it's going to have this line that says cue. And if we're going to tell them play with cues, that means that everyone's going to play that line. And if we're going to say no cues, then just the first trumpet will play that line. Mm-hmm. And so that's an easy way to make changes very fast. Be yeah. like, okay, I know that this might, this line might need more help, or maybe I'll, I'm going to want just the one. So instead of like, you know, spending time, studio time, which is very expensive, instead of being like, okay, can everyone please, you know, play C on the first beat and then E on mm-hmm. the third beat, you know, mm-hmm. instead of explaining to them, which takes time, it will be faster to, to have these cues. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Fascinating. <laughs> Thank you so much for spending this time with us. You, you, you've been, you've been so gracious and we really appreciate just the beautiful music. I mean, it's just, every time we watch Prodigy, it's just such an immersive experience. Honestly, more because of the auditory environment, even than the visual environment. And on that show, it's just what a what a lovely mesh. Um, yeah, th- yeah. I'm glad you're enjoying it. <laughs> we really are. Thank you, and uh, best wishes for all the future product projects, especially the ones you can't tell us about. We have oh. to assume that, like with Trek, the NDA it must like you know punishable by death. Be a foot through. My God. <laughs> But yeah, we're really looking forward to hearing, we're looking forward to hearing the score from um, episode 10. And then of course, the second half of the season. 
Yeah. And and <laughs> and when your when your other projects come out, maybe you'll come back if if it's all right. And, yeah. And join us uh, again. Yeah. We can play, plan on that for sure. Awesome, <laughs> Nami. Thank you so much. Right. Be well. Thank you. Well, hopefully that was um, as cool for you to listen to as it was for us to record. Yeah, because um, it was. You know, she is so approachable, um, and just very giving of her time. Mm -hmm. She loves talking about Trek and music. Um, I have to congratulate us on the fact that we were able to get through the whole interview without trying to pry any secrets or material that uh, she is under NDA for. I'm going to congratulate you. Yeah. 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 So, well done, sir. Yeah. Well, I don't think, I don't, I don't think, I think you're pretty good at holding back. Although the funny thing is, I, I won't, I shouldn't say this on recording, but I will. Traditionally, the joke has been when we have these interviewees, um, I'm always the one that just is a little overboard. Um, this time around, it was pretty equal, but I could tell just based off of your facial expression. I know I was that, so that you were, that you were, you were bought into this whole idea of this. Cause this was, this was a big one. You and I have talked about Trek music for so long and for now so we get long. to talk to someone and, and, and writing Trek music. I, I mean, just who's writing Trek music, which truly blows my mind. And, you know, Nami, if you're, if you listen to this, uh, thank you again from both of us, seriously, because it was just so much fun. And you know what, what you all are, our lovely audience didn't hear is the, the chat we had before and then trying to be respectful of, of, of Nami's time. We, you know, we wrapped and then we all kept talking and it got even more interesting. So, so no, I, you're right. I, she's I, been, um, I geeked was, out a bit on this one. Yeah. She's been very good. Obviously, if you've listened one, um, you got some idea of, of all the work and, and everything that goes into writing and, and taking what she does and putting it on to oh, film or television. Fascinating. Two, um, obviously she's made it clear she's working on material that she's not going to talk about, which, which is yeah. fine. Yeah. But we know this is not the last we're going to hear from her. Far oh, no. from it. No, we, we know that. Um, right. Three, you know, I think it's important we talked about it in the interview and I'm going to bring it up here again, is that there is a deficit, a severe deficit in terms of uh, professional composers that are women. And mm -hmm. the funny mm -hmm. thing that came out mm -hmm. of this, I was thinking about this even during the interview was that, um, you know, why don't we call them male composers? If I'm a female, this is not what she said, but if, if but she's a female composer, yeah. why, why are they not? Male she's composers? absolutely right. She is. She's and she mentioned Rachel Portman, who is a, I'm a huge fan yeah, of you her, said that. Mm -hmm. her work. Um, and she knows Rachel Portman, which made me giddy. Yeah. That, that got you. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll let you wrap this up, but you know, no. honestly, this one, this one was absolutely fascinating to me to talk to someone so creative. Um, we listen to it every week, listening to her talk about how she, she finds themes and she works with the writers and the producers to get the musical themes for these characters and situations. Oh, and then man. how she meshes them into the plot and into the story. I, I got to say, when, when I shared with you both that the crystal cave scene with the Samari was really what just hooked me. I just, for whatever reasons, found that truly moving. And then she just went off on that. With with the creative process, yeah, yeah, it just it's 
it's for for a, a wannabe like me behind the piano, right? To listen to her. I mean, you know, you blow me away regularly with your depth of knowledge with music. And then to listen to someone like Nami, where it's like, and these are the 42 steps between meeting with the directing crew and writing crew, and then actually getting this music to the screen. It's just, I mean, it's, it, it, it's phenomenal. Yeah. And, and of course I, I much like, you know, like any of our guests, we, we would like to see them back, including Nami, please come back, you know, as mm-hmm. you've, as you've completed subsequent work that you're working on that Jason tried to get you to talk about. Oh, please. <laughs> she was, she was very, I think we were very good at not pushing that. She was very good at staying within her boundaries yeah. of what she's able to talk about. Um, but she teased just enough, not saying what it is, but yeah. just that she has projects. You talked about yeah. the number of yep. projects that uh, you and I have talked online. You and I have been week. talking for days. Yeah, yeah. we've we've yeah. been trying to guess um, yeah. and just keep, mark it down so that we can once once her work comes out, we can just see to confirm for ourselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah after yeah. after we after we ended the interview, we started talking about the the nature of NDAs. Which yes. was which, and I didn't say anything at the time. I've only ever had to sign one NDA for this this little bit of consulting work I did, and and mine. I mean, it was a lot of boilerplate, but it was like okay, and sign. And I can't, um, in talking in to, in talking to and working with some publishers and editors uh, who what you know around the Star Trek project. My my friend and I are working on. Uh, uh, the constant thing with the with the uh, a franchise like Trek that we've heard is they are hardcore. Which well, I mean, they're like it, if you're a tech person, they're like the old Apple used to be. Right. Steve. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. You if you you know you did not know what was coming out until the day it came out, and if right. you did, Steve right. was coming after you. Right. This isn't Spider Man. You have no. to keep your secrets. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Paramount, and obviously because of the rebirth of Trek, they are keeping things really close to their best. Didn't we just hear, um, we know that Strange New Worlds is coming out, um, you know, as we record not, this. Not long as this drops. Yeah, as this drops. Mm-hmm. Um, we've already found out in the past that they're working on a Starfleet Academy show, I yep. saw. Yep. So Section we, 31 will be forever in development. Yep. 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 Um, Michelle Yeoh, hopefully someday will be again on TV. I love her as an actress. Um, yeah, yeah. That was. Oh, okay. I have to, I'll, so, uh, to, to close this. I'll just, speaking yeah. of acting uh, and I had, I think I had messaged the, the group earlier today, but, but I kid you not for the sake of research uh, this week, I've had to watch some DS9. Now you've been watching DS9 for a while, but I had to, I've, I've had to watch some DS9 for research purposes, for writing purposes. I'm being serious. It's a hard life. I forgot how truly gifted of an actor is Avery Brooks. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I just, it's been a while since I, it had been a while since I had really just sat down to watch DS9. And, uh, and I've been watching kind of mid and later seasons and just a few episodes, but uh, I, it brings me right back to the late nineties. Uh, right mid to late nineties when we were watching this and um, oh my God, so strong. That's why I've loved all the, the captains. Yeah. Picard, Janeway, Kirk, 
Yep. Well, even the little we've seen of Pike and we'll see more of Pike. You can expect you know. an episode on that. Yes. Oh, yeah. But for me, there is something about Avery Brooks and oh. and how gifted he is in that role. Um, oh and, you know, I followed him when I was a young kid, when we were very young, there was a show Spencer for hire on. Yep. And he was he was Hawk. Um, he was Hawk. Yeah. And, so, and then he got a spinoff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the ironic thing was, is when he started the show, they didn't want him to look like Hawk because they wanted him to have a different look. And you could, if you go into well, that, you know. let, let's just deconstruct that for a moment before we, it's, he, you know, he's, he's speaking of just like Nami's comments that look, it's difficult, right? Okay. 2.5% of, of top composers, recognized composers are, are, are women, right? We, we know now from her that that the music industry in terms of composing in Hollywood is and elsewhere is akin to many many other industries creative industrial technological educational whatever where representation continues to be a challenge and mm-hmm. and it's not a secret it's well documented that that Avery Brooks's or so commander Cisco's look those first couple seasons was was very intentional to to i mean at, at the risk of being crass to really kind of whitewash the character to make it more palatable to what they palatable to what they thought the audience would be he pushed against that very well documented yeah they did not want him to be the as powerful a presence he was he was a presence anyway there but... was fear about him being a powerful black man in a leading role and and i mean oh my god look what he did with that role look what he did with the character we could we could that's a whole we gotta go we gotta go we gotta go ds9 thing but yeah see this is what happens when we when we start talking trek and we are not a trek podcast we are a podcast that talks about trek right so for example if if you happen to be part of edge studios we would love to talk to you yes all about star wars too or anything else you want to talk about we just we're you know with with Boba Fett being released and everything like that. We really would like to talk to you and find out when you're going to be creating a Grogu NPC. (laughs) You know, so I, I just want to watch Ahsoka. I'm waiting for that show. Okay. With that, we got to We got to stop as always. Thanks everyone for being here. Uh, Like Brad said, we hope uh, and trust you got as much out of our interview with Nami Malamud as we did. What a wonderful time. What a fascinating and creative individual. Be well, stay well. We will see you next week for a temporary one episode change of pace and a refresh. Bye-bye.